Hello everybody and welcome to the Going Outcaster this week. We're going to talk about some more Bimney movies. That's right, we've got another 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 movies up for the chopping block. Um, I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but... Let me just... I'm going to give you two words that will explain the length of this podcast. And those two words are Toy Story. That's right, we're going to... We, we talk about all four Toy Story movies... And then there's like some shorts and stuff. We spent, this is the Toy Story podcast. If you like Toy Story, well, you're in for a fucking treat. Because we talk about Toy Story almost the entire time. And then there's a couple other movies at the very end that I don't remember which ones they are. Um, but that's what we do for this podcast. At the time of recording the intro to this podcast, this episode you're hearing right now, I am almost done watching every piece of animated media that exists on the Disney Plus movie section when you click animated and i say that because they're not all movies and they're not all made by disney they could have just been purchased by disney which is a completely different thing but i'm I'm watching those too so yes why am i really doing this i don't know it's fine um and i've already determined what like grouping of movies we're gonna do next and that one's gonna be i'm gonna challenge myself on that one um I'll just tell you straight up. We're going to do the Studio Ghibli movies after this one. And I'm, I'm going to go all the way back to the Lupin the Third, um, the Castle of Cagliostro or whatever it's called. Um, I'm going to start there because that was Hayao Miyazaki's first directed movie. And then I'm going to work my way up. Um, so I'll be including as many as I can. A lot of them aren't available on streaming like Grave of the Fireflies. But I have that on DVD. So we will watch that. Um, that those sorts of things. So I'm going to do those next. I thought about doing the Pixar movies. But hey, guess what? I did. They're in the, in the Disney ones. They got looped in. It, I probably should have separated it because Pixar, you know, like, has a lot of great movies in none of its, its own right. But, you know, they're all Disney movies now. So, whatever. Um, and, and, yeah, that's that's kind of uh, what's going on um, with, with the stuff. I'm really in, like, a movie reviewing mode. So, that's just kind of what the plan is for the next couple of weeks is just to keep watching movies. Um, so, I hope you guys have been enjoying them. Um, real quick, uh, uh, shit at the top of the, the podcast here. Uh, if you like the podcast and want to support the podcast, please go to patreon.com forward slash going upcast, uh, where you can become a $5 patron and get access to, um, stuff that goes on over there. Uh, we just finished the Nuzlocke run and, uh, this week we have a new series that's going up. Um, it is, uh, a lot of fun and it's as close to, <laughs> it's as close to the Pokemon series as I could find on PC. Um, just to give you an idea of that. And real quick side note, um, anyone who followed, like, my old Twitch channel, which has now been called twitch.tv forward slash going upcast, if you want to go give that a follow, um, I, I streamed the, uh, Resident Evil 8 Castle demo, um, but it didn't have my video or audio, uh, cause I did it straight out of the PlayStation 5, and I don't have the camera and the means of having video and audio. Until now, and I have now acquired the PlayStation 5 camera and the PlayStation 5 headset, which comes with microphones built in. So now I'm fucking kitted out and ready to go. So yeah, I think I think streaming might be a thing. That's not locked to Patreon. That's just going to be a thing I might do every now and then because I have a lot of PlayStation 5 games to play. Um, and I feel like if I stream them, I might actually be like inspired to finish them. So go to twitch.tv forward slash going upcast. Click click the follow link and then you'll watch me play PlayStation Five games, um, and I think that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. So very excited about that. But that's enough of me blathering. Hey, let's talk about some toys. 
Toy Story, the original first 3D animated movie to feature-length movie, I should say. Um, Pixar. I mean, this this was the start of it, right? Has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Think about that, a hundred percent, and it's pretty good. I mean, I haven't seen this movie since I was but a wee lad. Um, this was this was like. If, if I was to pick a family member who's, like, would have liked this movie, or whose movie this was when they were a child, it probably would have been my older brother. Um, this was, this was not so much my jam. Um, I think my favorite Pixar movie is probably, like, God, I don't even, I don't even know. I would have to look at them and be like, maybe that one. Um, Toy Story probably wouldn't have cracked top ten, to be perfectly honest with you. It's, it's a good movie. I don't think it's a perfect movie, like apparently Ryan Tomatoes does. Um... But I think it's a good movie. Um, I, I view it because the animation <laughs> is somewhat dated. Um, which is fair because it was like the first one. There's just something about 3D animation that just doesn't hold up as well as 2D. You know? You can look at Snow White released 60 fucking years before this one, right? And I think Snow White looks better than fucking Toy Story does because I don't know there's just something timeless about 2D animation um that you don't get with 3D the toys all look great the environments and the people don't and that's you know just that's just the technology you know of the time that's this was the best they were able to do it's gotten so much fucking better in such a small amount of time think about where we've gone in like ten, even 10 years even Toy Story 2 Compared to the first Toy Story movie, look at, like, the leaps they made in terms of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, Toy Story is a, is a weird movie. Uh, and things don't always line up perfectly. There's a lot of very sudden head movements of the humans. Leaves don't move unless they're being actively touched. And when they are let go, they instantly stop. Um, a lot of weird things like that. The story is pretty good you know um it's a really complex story actually for a kids movie it deals with things like jealousy um betrayal uh loss of the will to live you think that was really touched in toy story 3 but fucking buzz gives up in this movie and is tied to a rocket and he knows what's gonna happen when that rocket goes off and he just doesn't care um because he's lost his his like life's purpose so it's a pretty heavy movie um, there's also a lot of, like, abandonment stuff in this movie. It gets dealt with way more in the second film, but this one ha touch touches on that quite a bit. Um, and it does have this, I don't want to say it's a universal feel, um, but there is this element of, like, you know, toys. And, um, growing up with toys and, like, dealing with, like, the, the Andy's perspective of, like, losing toys and being sad and all that stuff. So, I get that, for sure. Um, it's a fairly simple story going, going from A to Z, you know, the toys get lost, but they're not lost for very long. It's also a fairly short film. It's like an hour and 20 ish minutes, something like that. Um, which is an impressive length for the first 3d animated movie. So it's, it's a classic. It spawned a franchise. It spawned rides. It's, it's pretty fucking pop. It spawned its own park in, in the Disney parks. So its legacy can't be can't be doubted. For me, I would give this movie probably like a eight out of ten. I think it's pretty good. It's it's a very good movie, 
And I can't ignore its importance in terms of cinema history. Um, but it's probably, you know, it's, eh. The side characters are all fairly unlikable, to be perfectly honest with you. Outside of Woody and Buzz and maybe Bo Peep, none of them really do a whole lot for me. I also hate Don Rickles, so the whole Mr. Potato Head shit just bugs the ever-living crap out of me. Um, I absolutely love, like... And they, they never really expand from more than just side characters, you know, like Rex or Slinky. They're, they're all, they all just kind of stay in that fucking zone of being side characters. They don't really matter. Bo Peep gets, like, brought up into main character in, like, movie four. And then, of course, the second movie adds, like, Jesse and Bullseye to the crew. Um, and then the third movie adds even more people. But it's just, like, I think that's interesting. Where they start off with, like, something like 20-odd toys... None of them matter except for Woody, Buzz, and Bo Peep. And then, instead of expanding on the toys they already established in the first movie, they bring in new toys to be, like, the main crew. I thought that was interesting. Why not just start, you know, with just the handful that you need? I don't know. They're, they're there for punchlines. Also, the, the amount of sex jokes in this movie? Way more! than I ever realized, but it's been a long time since I actually saw this movie, but it is an almost an unreasonable amount of adult-related humor in this movie. At one point, Buzz Lightyear is called Light Beer, which I never caught as a child, but I get it now, and it's just... Some, there's You know what? This is the first movie in this list that has made me see things that from an adult's eyes rather than a child's eyes. It's the first one in the list. And I think that's because I haven't seen this movie since I was a child. I watched Toy Story 2 more than I watched this one. So, yeah. 8 out of 10 feels pretty good for Toy Story. It's it's an excellent film. It is super important, but it's not a perfect film. That's that's my that's my review of Toy Story. Let's move on to the second one. Toy Story 2 set the bar for animated sequels didn't it it might be one of the first animated sequels quite frankly because it didn't come out all that later than the original toy story movie um this debuted in 1999 it was the first sequel that pixar did um it was one of their earliest films i think it went toy story bugs life toy story 2 um the original toy story yeah the original toy story came out four years earlier so they basically started working on this like right away and i say it is it is like, this is the fucking... Oh, how do I feel about this movie? You know what? I think this one's it. I think this one's the 10 out of 10 one. So, for me, this one does more than the original. Especially when it comes to emotional beats. The second that mother fucking Sarah McLaughlin song starts playing about Jesse's super, super depressing backstory, you kind of you get into it. Um, I also remember this movie, like, way more than the first one. Um, it's possibly because when the first one came out, I was one year old. And when this one came out, I was more than that. And I remember the airport scene of the, like, the, the baggage carousel nightmare, which I'm pretty sure isn't what it actually looks like, but it made for a good fucking visual. Um, Kelsey Grammer as Stinky Pete the Prospector, uh, as a, as a villain was pretty solid, but he is the, his... Villain tract, I think, is done better in the next film. Especially because um, fucking Hugs-A-Lot Bear and Stinky Pete are basically the same character done twice. They're the, hey, 
I'm your friend. Actually, fuck you kind of character. Um, especially because Stinky Pete was like, what? He, has, his, he was in a dollar store forever and just watched everything else get bought. And then Hugs-A-Lot Bear was like abandoned. So I think Hugs-A-Lot is the, is the, um, the end result of what Jesse would have become. Although fucking Jesse, oh my God. When she first like learns that like Woody needs to leave, she flips out and panics about going back into storage and you can, you can, she's like, I don't want to go back in the darkness. And I went, sweet fucking Christ. Because these are sentient toys. These are living things. And she was going to get put back in a box for who knows how long. Right? That's, oh, eternity in a box. So, yeah. Because of the incredible character of, of Jesse, the really good story, this like kind of, rescue mission and um which i know is kind of similar to the first one but it's done better in this one um the animation is up a couple of notches the jokes are funnier uh the the inclusion of zerg and that whole like beeline i thought was really nice the side characters i complained about in the first one not doing a whole heck of a lot do a lot more in this one particularly uh ham rex and mr potato head and slinky dog um it's just it's just more uh, we also get the inclusion of Barbie in this in this line, which I'm sure was, you know, an expensive thing. But, of course, they had to. I mean, Barbie is the most successful toy of all time. Has to be. One, like, right up there. I mean, it's fucking Barbie, you know? Like, you had to put it in a, a movie literally about toys. Um, and what I also enjoy about this movie is the ending. Toy Stories 2, 3, and 4 all end... Like, they're the last one. You can watch Toy Story 2 and stop. It's it's a solid ending for the characters. You could, you could probably... You could argue... You know what? I'm going to argue that you need to watch at least the first two in order to get the complete story. Because the first one's really about Woody's insecurities about being beaten out by Buzz. And then the second one was Woody's insecurities about being abandoned. And then, like, this, this kind of reliance that Andy will play with us um or the little sister will um and I'll talk about the other movies like as we get to them but it's the first two movies I think are a complete package you know first one sets it up second one fucking slams it home with this incredible sequel and it's kick-ass and it's wonderful and Jesse and Bullseye are just wonderful fucking characters and you could stop there or you could stop after the third one, or you could stop after the fourth one. Um, and the 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 distance between Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 3 is impressive. It's 11 years later for Toy Story 3. But Toy Story 2 might be my favorite. Especially because Woody's Roundup, the song, fucking, I love that song. When this movie came out, my family, like, that's one of our favorite Disney songs. Woody's Roundup. Come on, it's time to play. There's Jesse the Yodeling Cowgirl. Yodeling. Probably saying the whole bullseye, he's Woody's horse. <laughs> he's a smart one. Anyway. Fucking movie kicks ass. I absolutely love Toy Story 2. Um, and as of right now, I think Jesse might be my favorite character. Um Jesse's Jesse's pretty phenomenal. Um, my guts are telling me that they kind of fucking throw Jesse under the rug. In the sequels, like, I think she has a, like, less important crap to do in the third one, and she's barely in the fourth one, but then again, most of them aren't 
because the fourth one's weird. Um, we'll get to that one. But yeah, Toy Story 2, 10 out of 10. Fucking love that movie. I would watch it again right now if I could, but I can't because it's time to watch the next one. Uh, oh my god. I mean, any movie that elicits that sort of response. Oh, fuck. So, I'm torn between... So, A, yes. It's it's an incredibly good movie with one of the strongest endings for any movie. Um, the whole empty nest syndrome thing with the mom and then the passing down of the toys to Bonnie at the very end is just fucking super emotional. And that's like immediately followed by them accepting death as the incinerator draws ever closer. Um, and that's wonderful. The, the ending of this movie is so fucking strong. It's, it's kind of insane how good the ending of this movie is. Um, I mean, it blows the ending of Toy Story 2 out of the water. But it's like, if you're a kid, you should probably stop with Toy Story 2 because Toy Story 3 is, well, it's dark. Um, it's, it is, it is significantly darker than the first two entries, um, in the franchise. And it is, um, <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Like you need to be, I think, I think, you know, if you watch this when you're a kid and then like, right as you're going to college probably would be the time to put this one on. And I th like this movie came out in what? 2010? Yeah, 2010. So I would have been um uh in the middle of high school actually. Um I was I was a sophomore in high school when this came out. So I was pre-college uh when this happened to me. Um and I got rid of a bunch of stuff when I went to college, but I still have like like my equivalent of Woody, I still have. Um and it's up there with my other stuffed animals. So, you know, some things you just don't can't you don't get rid of um and uh that fucking thing staying with me until i don't know until i die and then after that i don't know what's gonna happen to it um but yeah i mean what you got andy's going to college and he he splits up his toys between attic and woody goes into the college box but then you know in a threes uh company style-esque mistake the toys all get thrown out um, and then eventually donated to Sunnyside Daycare where you meet Lotso, the second villain, to be like, hey, I'm your friend. Fuck you. And then he, you know, throws them all in with the preschoolers. And that's probably what keeps this movie from being perfect. We spend a lot of time at Sunnyside, like a significant, a little too much time. This movie's almost two hours long and it, the pacing of it's not, super great so that's for me what keeps it from being a 10 out of 10 this is a 9 out of 10 movie there's there's a, a like it really does kind of drag in the middle bit basically as soon as they get to sunny as soon as they leave sunny side the movie picks up again and i and then it's enjoyable but you could cut a lot of stuff out of the middle of sunny side like ken trying on clothes is a good couple of minutes of this movie and it didn't need to be in this movie um, I'm not sure who that scene was for, but it was probably the Barbie and Ken fans. Also, I did not know until I looked at the Wikipedia article for this movie, which I do for every movie, um, that Ken was voiced by Michael Keaton, of all things. So that's pretty great. 
Um, I love the the handing down of the toys to Bonnie. Um, I love the inevitable um, ending to Lotso. I thought Lotso... Lotso's a fine villain. Like I said in the Toy Story 2 review, he is what Jesse would have become if Jesse wasn't, you know, a good person <laughs> at their core. Like, that's, you know, that's what I like to see as that. Um, although, it's... It's got, there's got to be said, so the beginning of this movie, like the very beginning, the whole like, um, evil Dr. Porkchop thing is the exact same intro as the second movie. It's just done in like, you know, a higher budget. The animation of course in this movie is pretty fucking good. Um, that's what happens when technology advances. The animation gets really fucking good. Um, and you can, I mean, you can see it in real time as Pixar movies go from all the way from Toy Story to present day, the animation got better and better and better and better with each subsequent movie. Um, but the jump between two to three is insane. There's this attitude from Woody though is like, what's our duty as toys? Why it's to be there for Andy. That's not what he was saying in the second movie. Your duty as toys was to be played with and Andy's going to play with you. Not to be there for him, but to get played with. So, it's a little bit of a flip of script. Like, as soon as Andy was like, I'm not playing with these guys anymore. You would think that if he was consistent with what he was like in Toy Story 2, then he would have been like, well, fuck it, let's just bounce. But, I suppose you could also argue that, oh, I don't know. Fucking seven years passed between Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 3. So, Woody might have changed. But this is also like the second movie, right? First, the second movie, Toy Story 2, we don't get this. But Toy Story 1 and Toy Story 3, we get Woody's right and nobody believes him shticks. Right? Like, when when everybody thought he killed Buzz in the first one, nobody believed him. And then, then this one, he's like, you're going to the attic. They're like, fuck you, Woody. And they don't believe him. And then they get their own evidence that supports what Woody said. And they're not repentant. Like, fucking, especially Mr. Potato Head. Mr. Potato Head is just an asshole. Um, and I don't, I don't appreciate that character. So does it replay on some previous story threads from the other two movies? Yes, absolutely. Does it have a harder emotional hit than either of the movies that come before it? Yes, absolutely. The Sarah McLaughlin song and Jesse's backstory wishes it hit as hard as the end of Toy Story 3. It's, it's one of those endings that I challenge almost anybody to watch and not feel something. It's the same equivalent to why Coco hits hard because like it's it's so like it's so innate to the human experience. At least I would argue it's so innate to the human experience. This this idea of like going to call like saying goodbye to loved ones, essentially. Not even going to college. Saying goodbye to loved ones. That's that's the universal human equation. It's just done through the lens of passing toys on or going to college. So that is done really well in this movie, and I, I kinda love it. Um, and the way I look at Toy Story, because, you know, Toy Story 2, stop it there, you're good. That's a really complete story. Toy Story 1, Toy Story 2, radical. Toy Story 3, the, uh, you know, was, to me, it's the end of Andy's story. You got the three movies that tell Andy's story, except two. Two doesn't really have a lot to do with Andy. He, he goes away to camp. He's not even in the fucking thing. He comes back and it's like, wow, new toys. And that's it. But like, this movie's really about like Andy going on. Toy Story 4 is Woody's ending. Toy Story 4 
didn't need to be made. The like I'm, I know I'm going to talk about it a lot when we actually get into it, but if if I'm looking at this franchise, three out of the four movies could could have been endings to the franchise. And for me, the third movie is all about saying goodbye to Andy and that family. You know what I mean? Because um, to the best of my knowledge, we don't see them ever again. Um, I could be wrong, but we're about to find out as I watch the fourth and as of right now, final movie in the franchise. I guess, I guess we'll see. Toy Story 4 just had to make a liar out of me. You do see a little bit of Andy in the very beginning because it's a flashback between the events of movies 2 and 3. Occurs at the beginning of this movie. Um, and uh, it's basically uh, the, the, the disappearance of uh, Bo Peep. And apparently the short film Lamp Life is all about what happens to Bo after that moment. So I'm going to watch that after I'm done reviewing this movie because uh, there's... That, plus the other two Toy Story short films that are on Disney+, Plus that are on this list. So we're not done with Toy Story. Um, there's three more things to watch. Anyway, Toy Story 4 is the end of Woody's story. Toy Story 3 was the end of Andy's. This is the end of Woody's. It is also the weakest film out of the four. Is it bad? No. Is it the weakest? Yes. It is the worst Toy Story movie, but it's still pretty good. We're talking like 6 to 7 out of 10. Um, for, I'm probably going to put it to a seven simply because of Bo Peep, because she went from being the titular damsel in distress in the first film to, was she even in the second one? Maybe a little bit, maybe a tiny bit in the second one, but I don't remember her really being there. And then of course she's not in the third one at all, but in this one, she comes in as a fucking lost toy for like seven years, right? She is a competent, capable, badass, and she's wonderful. Um, she, she is this perfect foil for Woody's character. Um, and it really is just mainly about them. Um, there's a, a couple of new side characters like Duke Kaboom, voiced by Keanu Reeves. Hell yeah. Um, Duck and Chicken, or Chicky. I can't remember. Um, not Duck. It's, I think it's Bunny and Chicken. Hold on. What are, what are their actual names? Story four. Um, they are called uh, Ducky, Bunny and Ducky. That's what they're called. Um, Key and Peel. Very funny. Very funny comedians. I love Key and Peel. Um, and when I was in the theaters and I saw that uh, give us the key scene for the first time, fucking killed me. Um, and they're very funny in this movie. I, I, they, I mean, they probably didn't even have lines. They probably just had like, this is what your characters are saying. And then they just rift back and forth it's just it's very natural it's very funny a plus i love them as side characters i think they're very entertaining um the the air quotes bad guy of gabby gabby voiced by uh christina hendrickson or hendrix rather from what are you from i want to say not uh i think you're from desperate housewives is that where you're from you're from no you're not from desperate housewives what the fuck are you from? You've been in a bunch of shit, haven't you? Uh, Mad Men. That's it. That's the one. Sorry. Sorry. Um, completely fucked that one up. But yeah, she's from Mad Men. Um, as the bad bad guy. And this is the the fastest uh, we go from hello, fuck you. Because it might as well have been in the same sense. Hi, I'm Gabby Gabby. Give me that voice box. 
And then, you know, that's kind of the whole thing. But Gabby Gabby also has, like, the only villain in these movies. Because Toy Story 1 only had, like, Sid, really. Um, I guess is a villain. But she's the only one who pulls that move, who gets that redemption arc, and actually is united with uh, a kid. Stinky Pete, fuck you. Fucking Lotso, hug a, hug a dick. Fuck you. He got strapped to the front of a garbage truck. Gabby Gabby is the only one who gets a kid at the end of the movie. She's the only villain that gets that redemption arc. And then this movie sets up, because um, obviously Woody stays with Bo Peep because power boners. Um, and he says goodbye to all of his friends to just hang out at the carnival forever. And the carnival's going to travel the country and he's going to see the, uh, well, air quotes, see the world. Um, and I guess... You know, as long as they, like, kind of repair themselves, toys logically can live forever. So I guess he's just going to spend eternity uh, hanging out with Bo Peep and tooting across the country. Hey, that sounds kind of rad. Um, and the the, the uh, epilogue, this whole movie feels like an epilogue, but the epilogue of the epilogue is Woody and Bo and Duke and Ducky and fucking Bunny helping, like, the toys of the carnival get with kids. Um, and that's just kind of sets them up for, for the future times. That's basically the plot of this movie. Um, pretty much every character established to this point, besides Bo Peep and Woody, have been relegated to side characterdom so fucking hard in this film. Buzz is an idiot in this movie, and I don't know why. He's not this dumb in any other film, but he is in this one. He's dumb as paint. Just for this running gag of, like, his inner voice telling him what to do. Um, which doesn't really add up. And, honestly, Buzz feels like Rex. You know? he he. It's not Woody and Buzz. Like it was in every other fucking movie. You know? It, it, they, like, they fed off each other. Buzz is barely in this movie. And what, he's mostly there for comic relief. And it's, it's kind of sad that, like, you know, the characters we've spent up until now three movies with jesse barely is barely in this movie and she's so pivotal in the fucking two and three you know what i mean it's just like i don't know i love the return of bo peep i think that's that's really solid um woody's original love interest you know like that kind of stuff um it it makes sense to me that story but i wish it could have been told in a way that it didn't shit on the rest of the cast um that's that's kind of where I'm at is fucking, uh, I guess, yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head are technically in this film, but whatever. Um, and there is a, there is a nice kind of deep cut moment, um, fairly early on in the film where Woody is left in the closet and there's a bunch of other toys that are in the closet that are talking to him. That group of toys represents some of the greatest, uh, of the, like, 20th century's actors had to provide. They are as follows. Mel Brooks as Melephant Brooks. He was the elephant. Carol Burnett as Cheryl Burnett. Betty White as Bitey White. Carl Reiner as Carl Rhinoceros. And Alan Oppenheimer as Old Timer. So the clock, the rhino, the chair, the tiger, and the elephant were all voiced by five of the greatest, like, comedic and, like, like film actors of the 20th century and i thought that was spectacular i'm sitting there in the theaters being is that motherfucking mel brooks 
I absolutely adore Mel Brooks. So that moment, I loved. I thought that was great because it. I don't know. It's just it was it was it was very nice um, to see, and or not to see, but to hear those voices, especially considering that um, at least Carl Reiner uh, is is no longer with us. Uh, and you can say that for a lot of people that have been in the Toy Story movies. Uh, the original Slinky Dog voice was um, not Jim Neighbors, uh, Jim Varney, uh, who passed away in between. Uh, movies. I think he died in 2000. I can't remember. But he passed away a while ago. And then um, R. Lee Emery, who was the voice of Sarge, uh, his last movie was Toy Story 3 before he passed away in 2018. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Toy Story 4 did not need to happen. You could argue that Toy Story 3 didn't need to happen, but they did. So there's no point in arguing that. What I will say is what I've said before. If you just want to see a nice, solid couple of movies, you stop at two. If you want to see what happens to Andy, you stop at three. If you want to see what happens to Woody, you stop at four. But that one, if you're ever going to skip one, it probably, like, my love for Bo Peep perfectly balances out my sadness for the treatment of all the other characters. So for me, it's a net gain. Like, Buzz and Jesse and all those great characters being shat on actively while the celebration of Bo Peep, right? It kind of cancels out. What does push Toy Story 4 above that balancing point, right? If it was just those things, it'd be a 5 out of 10. You got King and Peel, 6 out of 10. And the redemption arc for Gabby Gabby makes it a 7 out of 10. So this movie gets a 7 out of 10, which I believe makes it equal to the first film um, in terms of my rankings. But that's that's kind of where I'm at. Now, will we ever see the Toy Story gang again? My money's on probably not a feature-length film. Um, but as I just said, they are apparently, you know, there's there's fodder for short stories, I think. Um, especially with Disney Plus being a thing. Um, I think that would be a more natural avenue. Because seeing what Buzz and the gang are up to is not enough for a feature-length film and seeing what Woody is up to is not enough for a feature-length film it really should just be like a fucking you know 15-minute dick around and then that'd be fine so oh I also love the little cop what's what's your name um Giggle McDimples uh which is just a fucking great name uh yeah I thought Giggle was great um but yeah Bo Peep Bo Peep man great character absolutely great character so that's a uh, that's the t- you know what I was I was kind of dreading the Toy Story uh, franchise for watching these. Um, I was expecting it's been an um, I've watched them all in a single day. It's been an emotional day. Don't get me wrong. A lot of lot of laughs, a lot of tears. It's a really solid franchise. I mean, if I were to look at it, is it's the best Pixar franchise for sure. Only other one is Cars, really. Um, and fuck cars. Everything else is just kind of like a, like a single film. Um, and there's a ton of shorts. I absolutely, I'm not watching Forky Asks a Question. That's, that's probably what keeps this movie from an 8 out of 10. I was talking about things that bring it up into the positives. Shit that puts it in the negatives is Forky. Fuck Forky. Forky blows. I don't give two tin shits for Forky. So, I don't know why they went so fucking ham for Forky, but fuck Forky. So, I'm not watching this fucking Forky Asks a Question series. Um, Oh, and then there's that bit in the beginning where, like, Dolly, right? Voiced by Bonnie Hunt. 
is like leader of the toys, right? And like Woody's been relegated to, you know, closet dumb, right? And then for like the rest of the movie, Dolly's never a leader. Like as soon as we leave the house, Dolly is relegated to being a side character and she's not in charge anymore. And I'm like, what the fuck? There's even a bit where they're like, what do we do now, Buzz? Like all the other toys turn to Buzz and not Dolly, the person who's been in charge of you this entire time. That's, that isn't anything besides just bad storytelling is what that was. That That's just a mistake. Like there, that's just inconsistencies with shit you established earlier in the movie and then not paying attention to it. That's exactly what that is. So there's, there's, there's nothing else for it. That's all there is. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that is, that is Toy Story. Time to watch all the side shit. I'm going to lump talk about the three Toy Story short films because, well, at least the three I'm willing to watch. There might be more. There are more. There's the fucking short series with Forky, but fuck that. So we have Toy Story That Time Forgot, uh, Toy Story of Terror, and then Lamp Life, I believe is what they are all called. I'll start with Lamp Life because that's the first one I watched. Um, it's about five minutes long. It briefly discusses what Bo Peep was up to after they were given away, um, in the prequel or in the beginning of Toy Story 4 that took place between Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 3. Toy Story, Toy Story, Toy Story. Um, it's fine. Like that, that is, it's very short. It's a lot of quick scenes. It's mostly comedic more than anything else. Um, but it's, it's, it's okay. It's like a deleted scene more than it is a short film. Um, and it's blatantly obvious that not Tom Hanks is not Tom Hanks. I'm pretty sure it's his brother, Colin, um, who is usually brought in to do Tom Hanks impressions when Tom Hanks doesn't want to, or is busy. So that's what is up with Lamp Life. It's not terrible. It's just, it's fine. And like, if you're looking for something that takes you five fucking minutes to watch, then yeah, you're, you're, you could do worse. Um, Toy Story of Terror, I liked a bit more. It actually has like a, a, a story to it. Um, this, this framing of like horror movies whilst simultaneously dealing with, uh, Jess's, um, claustrophobia, I'm going to say more than, uh, the, cause I feel like that's, uh, a fairly accurate term for what, uh, Jesse experiences. Basically, they were locked in a box for years and don't want to go back in the box and have panic attacks every time they are in any sort of enclosed uh, situation. Um, and so that's a big part of, of that story. Uh, and basically, they the toys are in a motel. Uh, they go out and wander, and then they are all subsequently kidnapped by an iguana named Mr. Jones because the manager of the hotel trained Mr. Jones to steal from the patrons so he could sell that shit on eBay, which is so fucking like everyday evil that I was like, man, fuck this guy. So Toy Story of Terror, I liked a lot for, for a 20 minute short film. It's pretty good. Like the emotional story of Jesse and the fact that the villain was just like, fuck this guy. And it's pretty funny. So I'd give Toy Story of Terror. That's like a, that's like a fucking eight out of 10 short film. That was really nice. Toy Story That Time Forgot is something that I would have expected to see on, like, Disney Channel. Um, it's not terrible. It's not as good. Um, but basically, the toys go over to this fucking fancy pants rich kid's house for a play date. Um, and Bonnie gets absorbed in the interesting and 
ever-changing world of video games. You know, the thing that killed the toy industry. Anyway, um, but while they're over there, uh, or while Bonnie's playing video games, uh, Woody, Buzz, Trixie, Rex, and this fucking Christmas tree ornament um, go hang out with, like, this Battlesaur set. Which, if I was a kid, fuck me, Battlesaurs would have been sweet! They even have a theme song, and they sing it in the, in the, in the fucking special, and I thought that was something. Um, and that one's all about, like, finding your... It's, it's, stop me if you heard this one before. It's about being happy with where you are, and finding your place, and self-identity, and stuff like that. That's what it's about. Oh, wait, is that what every Toy Story story is about? By and large, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what it is. It's all about finding a home and being happy with shit. So, yeah, it's fine. Um, that one I'd I'd rate more like a fucking six. Um, if if anything, probably closer to a five. Um, if I'm being honest with you, but Toy Story of Terror is probably the only Toy Story short film out of those three that I would recommend. I liked that one a lot. It felt like uh, a story worth telling because it's Jessie getting over her fear of of the box um it occurs in, in that and i i appreciate that as a big jesse fan having one that's very jesse forward hell yeah big fan of that i just wish the the bo peep forward one wasn't so shitty um like that was that was one of the original um disney plus things was a five minute shitty bo peep like thing and i'm glad i didn't watch it back then because i was like it wasn't it wasn't good it's just, it's fine, you know. It is what it is. So, there you go. Treasure Planet is a fucking great movie. It's the third version of the Treasure Island book told by Disney. The first one in 1960, the original. Which, incidentally, that version of Treasure Island is um, the origin of the kind of uh, iconic way that we would expect a pirate to sound like if somebody asked you to go, you know, what does a pirate sound like? And you go like, Yahar or shiver me timbers or anything like that. That was pioneered in the 1960 version of treasure planet. Actual pirates probably didn't sound like that. Um, but it's this sort of like butchered Bristolian accent, um, with a lot of, you know, breathy yars, uh, into it. But that's where that came from. Uh, so that was the first version, and then of course there is the beloved classic Muppet Treasure Island, which was 1996, I want to say, or 98, I can't remember, but it was in the 90s. And then we got Treasure Planet, which to this date is the last version of this iconic story. And of course, if you're a fan of my work, you know that I read Treasure Island for an audiobook. So I feel very well um, educated in order to determine whether or not Treasure Planet is a good well, now, we can look at it two different ways. Is it a good movie? Yes, absolutely. Is it a good Treasure Island story? And to that, I would say, if you compare it to the original, no. Well, it's better than the original text. The original story is not a coming-of-age story. It's more of just like a straight-up-and-down adventure story. Jim, as a character, doesn't really matter in the original Treasure Island. And his relationship with... Uh, Long John Silver, while friendly in the books, doesn't really account to this, like, becoming an adult, this father figure thing um, that we get in Muppet Treasure Island and Treasure Planet. That's not in the original text. So this is an instance of the story has changed over time. 
um, to where most people would expect it. If you asked somebody, you know, what's Treasure Island? A lot of people would probably tell you it's a coming of age story. The original book is not a coming of age story, but it has evolved to become one. And I think in that it is greater than the original. You know, that story is better. It's, it is. It's, it, I enjoy it more. You know, like people will shit on Hunchback of Notre Dame for butchering the original text, but the original text is fucking thousands of pages long and the ending sucks. So, you know, it's all subjective, but I would argue that the Disney-fied version of Hunchback is a better story, um, or at least it's a more entertaining story. It's a more enjoyable story. And the fact that Jim is is grows as a person, has this bond with Long John Silver, you know, learns and explores and develops over the course of the tale... That, to me, does make these versions of this story superior to the original. Because the original isn't great. <laughs> I'll be honest. It's not great. However, this one also is truer to the original text than uh, Muppet Treasure Island is. Uh, and I mostly think that because of the character Ben. Which, in this movie, takes the form of a uh, sassy robot performed by My Martin Short. Um, but Ben being marooned on the island is straight out of the original book. And there is not a, uh, I guess, Ben, oh, Benjamina, Miss Piggy. You know what? Never mind. I take that back. There is an equivalent in Muppet Treasure Island. Um, so yeah, there's that. I, that just clicked in my head. Um, the Maroonie. Anyway, we're talking about Treasure Planet right now. And fun fact about Treasure Planet, it was a financial flop. Uh, it lost like $30 million dollars off of its budget. This is actually, according to Wikipedia, the most expensive traditional 2D animated film ever made at $140 million for its budget. And the reason it's so expensive is because this was the final film uh, out of Disney to use deep canvas, which I will just read this to you. Um, it's a technology that initially developed for Tarzan. That's what allowed it for those really cool, um, like almost skateboard style scenes where he's like gliding on the vines and they're 3D. That is deep canvas. <clears throat> the technology which they initially developed for Tarzan and came up with a process they called virtual sets, wherein they created an entire 360 degree set before they began staging the scene. They combined this process with traditionally drawn characters in order to achieve a painted image with depth perception and enabled the crew to place the camera anywhere on the set and maneuver it as they would maneuver a camera for a live action set. In order to test how a computer-generated body part, specifically, specifically John Silver's cyborg arm, would mesh with traditional anime characters, the crew took a clip from Captain Hook's Peter Pan in 1953 and replaced his arm with a cyborg arm. So it is a blend of 2D, 3D animation, CGI, and deep canvas. And it was all of this shit blended together. And in my head, this shit holds up. The, the look of Treasure Planet is awesome awesome tarzan atlantis the lost empire and treasure planet are the three movies that use deep canvas technology to pull this off and it has this blend and this really like stylized iconic animation that to me will stand the test of time because nothing else really quite looks like these three movies they're a really cool subset of disney animation um, like how in the 70s, the characters still had like the sketch lines and you can see that in the original movies, there was a quality to them where like you would zoom in and it was done with that like multi-pan camera shit where there's different layers of the image and the, they move and slide as the camera zooms in, you know, to get that, like that depth perception. Um, and with these movies, they just look awesome. So Treasure Planet visually looks fantastic. It is a superior version of the Treasure Island story. 
And for me, the the lore that this movie comes up with, with the Ethereum, this idea of space being full of air and your ability to sail the solar winds and creatures like space whales and stuff like that is fucking awesome. I would love to play like a D&D pirate adventure in the in the space developed by Treasure Planet. It's it's so fucking cool and I I love this idea of the Ethereum is what it's called narrated by Tony J in the beginning of the movie. So it's the lore and the world that this movie builds is awesome. Like that first shot when you get into um uh sp- the spaceport, right? And it's the crescent moon and then it spins on its side and it's just like all full of like buildings and shit. Super fucking clever and super fucking creative. I love that. I thought that was great. The relationship between Jim and uh, Silver in this version of the Treasure Island story, I think is done very well. Um, Silver does kind of like get away in the end. Um, and it doesn't have quite the same emotional weight that uh, like Tim Curry leaving at the end of Muppet Treasure Island does, but it's still very well done. And the you feel their, their relationship in this movie. It is done really well. It's established very well. Um, and you feel like they do have that father-son relationship. And it is, it's like, it is mutual, you know? It's not just, um, Jim looking up to Silver and being like, you're great. And Silver being like, you're just a means to an end. They both, you know, they both care about each other. Which is a hallmark of these, this version of the story where it is a coming-of-age story. Uh, because Silver really is that father figure to, uh, Hawkins. And, um, it's, it's very, it's like quintessential to this tale. Uh, the supporting cast... You've got the dog uh, science guy who is performed by um, David Hyde Pierce, who most people know from Frasier or as um, Sideshow Bob's brother. Sideshow... What the fuck was the brother's name in that? No, I can't remember. Sideshow Bob and Sideshow... Who are you? Um, Come on. Come on, tell me. Who were you in The Simpsons? You were, television, Simpsons, you're uh, Cecile Terwilliger. Didn't you have a sideshow name? What was your sideshow name? Uh, you were sideshow, or you try to be a sideshow. I can't remember um, what a sideshow name. Wikipedia's not telling me. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, he, he tried to be, oh, uh, I think it was, I think his name was Sideshow uh, Cecil, uh, was was his name was. Anyway. I'm getting sidetracked. The dog is fine. Uh, the captain's dope as hell. Captain Amelia, voiced by Emma Thompson, fucking cool ass character, um, works to be the the um, uh, uh, analog to uh, fucking Smollett, who you know obviously he's. It's not that he isn't in this movie. It's just that they're Captain Amelia. Um, but yeah, this idea that it's Treasure Planet and the whole thing with the portal and all that stuff. It's very cool. So. The only thing that's, like, really working against this movie is that one creature that does, like, all the fart jokes. I don't know. It's just a little... It's a little childish, but it's Disney. Also, Ben the Robot is a little grating. I like Martin Short as much as the next guy, but it's just like, uh, uh. Like, I understand that you need to have that character, but if you could have just toned it down a little bit and maybe not try so hard to interest the kids, because... I don't know. There's... There's quite a bit of this, like, movie, and just kind of the general story of this, I don't think appeals as much to children. Um, I don't think, like, you know, like, young elementary school kids, I don't think would appreciate this film. 
Um, Muppet Treasure Island, sure. There's a there's a bit more for the kids in that one. It's a bit more kid friendly than I think this movie is. But because of that, I enjoy this movie a fuck ton. Um, and the only thing really counting against it for me is the is the fart jokes and the fact that uh, Ben is a little bit grating. So all of these things considered, I think this movie is an eight out of ten. It is a fucking crime that it did not perform better in the box office. Uh, it did get nominated for Best Animated Feature. What did it lose to? What beat the... Oh, fuck you. Uh, spirited Away. Yeah, alright, alright. If you're gonna lose to... If you're gonna lose the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature to a movie, Spirited Away is the one to lose on. Because, yeah, that's... You can't... That's a tough one to beat, for sure. I should do a podcast where I review all the Studio Ghibli movies. That'd be a lot of fun for me. Anyway... 8 out of 10 for Treasure Planet. If you haven't seen this movie, if you haven't seen this movie, you need to see this movie. It's so much fucking fun. It is one of the best hidden gems of of, of this fucking whole, whole kit and caboodle. It is probably the most underrated core line Disney movie they ever made. The 43rd Disney movie. I can't think of anything else that is like as unknown or as good. You know, a lot of these movies, people will be like, I never saw the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, but the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad fucking blows. So you're not missing out on anything. Treasure Planet. Not a lot of people know that. Pretty much like, you know, that's that to me is it's just one of those movies where it's just like, you gotta fucking see this movie. You got to. It's so much fun. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, up. <clears throat> the ninth Pixar movie? Maybe. Are you the ninth Pixar movie? Uh, uh, oh, who cares? One of the Pixar movies. Um, and one of their best ones. I was all set. Like, I love this movie. Um, and that was my thought process before going into this film to review it. Was like, oh, Up is phenomenal, you know. And there was, there's, there are some bits in the kind of first half like the between like the 30 to 50 percent mark of the movie where it just kind of plods along and it's just kind of like <laughs> but any movie that makes me cry three times at three different points in the film um is definitely worth watching just kind of um as as it sits so obviously the intro to the film the entire life of Mr. of Carl Fredrickson, um, before he is the curmudgeonly old man. Basically, all of that time he spends with Ellie. That is, if if I if I took a second and like ranked like movie intros, it might be number one of of my all time favorite movie intros because it is a masterclass in telling a story by showing you shit. And not just telling you shit. Isn't it so much more emotionally impactful to witness that crap? Rather than have Carl be like, Oh yeah, Ellie's my wife and she's dead now. That sucks. That's lazy storytelling. But the introduction to Up, the music, the animation, the emotions, the entire thing. That first like 10 fucking minutes or whatever is flawless there's nothing wrong with it it's amazing and it makes me cry every time i see it so that in and of itself 
is like 10 out of 10 material right there. Movie kind of plods along after that. Um, I love Ed Asner. I, I think he's hilarious. Um, <laughs> I love the description of, of his character on Wikipedia. Um, they tailored his dialogue for him with shortened sentences and more consonants, which, quote, cemented the notion that Carl post-Ellie is a disgruntled bear that has been poked away during hibernation. I think summarizes his character perfectly. Russell um, Waltz being incredibly important to the film is probably the weakest part of the film. He's not bad. I mean, this is this is a situation in which everything about this movie is basically amazing. And so when something isn't, like, amazing, perfect, flawless, it kind of sticks out. Russell's still very competent as a character and is emotionally impactful to the film, but is probably the weakest part of the film. So I'll say that. Uh, this entire movie is basically about this about Carl who wants to take his house to Paradise Falls because that's what he said um, he would he would do with his wife uh, and he was robbed of that chance because she uh, shuffled off this mortal coil uh, some time before the events of this film we're not entirely sure uh, it's I believe it's a couple of years after uh, she passes because when um, she dies, all the stuff around Carl's house has not turned into a giant construction site, which it is at the start of the film. Um, and then Carl decides to just be like, man, fuck you, after he gets taken to court for assaulting uh, a guy trying to fix his mailbox. And this is one of the only moments I can think of in any Pixar film where there is blood. This movie has blood, animated blood, twice. And it's when that dude gets whacked in the head with a tennis ball. How do you bleed from that? And then when uh, Kevin's leg gets bit by a dog, and there's a little bit of blood there. Um, not a very common thing to see in kids' movies is animated blood. So I wanted to make a special note of that, that you don't see it very often, so it was interesting to see it here. Um, and then he obviously inflates thousands of balloons and takes off in his house to go to South America. I'm not even going to dive into the logistics of that, because um, that's not the fucking point of this movie. Who cares if it's actually possible? I don't give a fuck. Is it technically possible? Yeah. If you had enough weather balloons, you could lift probably anything off the fucking ground. Um, because that's how that works. If you got enough of them, yes, this is possible. Would the house neatly detach the way it does in the movie? No, probably not. But who gives a fucking shit? It's awesome. So the house takes off and he goes flying and obviously Russell's there with him because movie's got a movie. And then they get to Paradise Falls and start walking the house and they meet Kevin and they meet Doug and Doug is one of the best side characters in any Disney movie ever because it's an adorable fucking dog and his opening line is like I have just met you and I love you and I'm like it's a dog it's a talking dog and it's sweet and it's cute and it's funny and I love Doug and he's the best and then you meet Munts who's performed by Christopher Plummer um, who does a really good job let's not even you know Go over the fact that this guy basically wasted his entire life chasing a single bird. Um, or the fact that, yeah, he basically wasted his entire life. Because in order for him to still be alive, I, I was thinking about this, right? So, Carl saw a, a movie of Muntz when he was a kid. Probably around 10 years old, right? Muntz was probably in his early 20s in order for him to still be alive by the end of this movie. So, he spent probably anywhere between 60 to... 80 years looking for a single bird and he failed time and time again he looked for one bird and he couldn't get it done he is the worst fucking explorer ever 
He was able to invent talking dog collars and train a veritable army of dogs to cook him food, fly airplanes, and pilot his fucking dirigible. But he couldn't catch a bird. Months blows. One of the worst fucking... In terms of competency, in terms of what the villain of a movie is capable of, this guy sucks. He can barely fight, like, with a sword, you know? Like, he is just an old man. Months blows. He is a terrible villain. Now, he's good for the movie. I'm just saying, like, as far as villains go, he's really unsuccessful, um, is the point I'm trying to make here. The relationship between Carl and Russell is simply phenomenal. It's just, it's it's everything you would expect it to be. It's told really well. It's a very sweet story. Made me cry three times. The score is one of the best fucking scores I've ever heard. It's so good. It's very theme-based, which I love scores like that. Like, Lord of the Rings has a lot of really iconic pieces of music because you hear them a lot in those movies because it's like, this is Aragorn's theme or this is Frodo's song. You know, it's it's all... It, music, you hear a song tied to a character, which means every time you see that character, you hear that song. And that, that like... You hear so many different versions of that song throughout the film. There's the sad piano bit, there's the full orchestral, it bounces back and forth, and it's awesome. Musically, this movie is like kicks so much ass out of out of so many other different movies. Uh, so I absolutely adore everything about this movie. Um, there, there, there are, I can't think of anything wrong with it, quite frankly. And it made me cry three times. So for all of that and more, Up gets 10 out of 10. It, I think it is it is a truly spectacular film. And uh, definitely one worth seeing if you, for some fucking reason, you haven't seen this movie yet. You should see this one. It's real good. And I think that's where we'll leave it off for this week's episode. Thank you all very much for listening. And I will see you all next time for another fantastic episode of me watching a bunch of movies. Have a good one, everybody.